resident engineering challenges and lighting specialist to our residential Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. On this week's podcast, joining me from Columbus, Ohio, just uh, around the corner from where I am in Carmel, Indiana, is Kat Wheeler, a regional sales manager for Snap One, the mega supplier and manufacturer of just about everything for the smart home, including Control 4 home automation products. But in addition to that, Kat is also a first-time author having self-published what she calls a tech mystery novel titled, There Is No Cloud. It's a book that centers around people and products that will probably be familiar to anyone who has worked in the residential tech industry for a while. I wanted to have her on the show to learn about her writing adventure, but also to get to know her more as her career has developed and her experiences in tech and all the fun stuff that we always try to talk about on this podcast. Kat Wheeler, thanks for joining me today. Great to meet you. Thanks. Happy to be here. And before we talk about your book, which I definitely want to get into kind of in the late, later part of the podcast, um, I just wanted to to really get to know you better. And we talked a little bit before we started recording, but uh, I wanted the audience to be in on some of that. And uh, what I've observed from looking into your, uh, I guess, LinkedIn is that you've, you've been in both an independent sales rep uh, for some firms that I'm familiar with, such as um, Sapphire Marketing out of New York. Marla um, Suttenberg is uh, someone who I've crossed paths with in the past and really, really admired and respected and enjoyed spending time talking to. Um, and now you're regional sales manager for Snap One. Um, can you just describe a little bit about what your current role is all about? What does a regional sales manager for a company that's as big as Snap One? Um, actually do? Uh, so yeah, so currently I'm an area sales manager for Snap One, and my territory is Ohio, Western Pennsylvania, upstate New York, and a little bit of West Virginia. And so my role is to um, sell and manage all of our dealers' products and purchases in our territory. So that includes all of the Snap One family of products, as well as our third-party product offerings. Okay, so you're, um, you're, are you meeting, are you going out into the field and meeting with dealers at their locations? Yes. Uh, more in the past, uh, before, uh, COVID obviously, right. uh, but we are back out on the road now. So yeah. So I travel around, uh, meet my dealers, have meetings with them, do trade shows and events, all of the general things. Right. And so you've got yes. a diverse lineup of products that you represent then with snap one. Now there's so much that you kind of have to know about. Has, has it? We do. It's a. Yeah, it was good. It's a large brand package. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm sorry to cut, keep cutting you off. Um, well, it, in the in the past, was your focus um, more specialized on certain technologies, or uh, is this the broadest you've ever had to represent? Um, it may be from just a, a pure like quantity standpoint, but every rep firm has a, a disparate line of products. Yeah. And all, and especially with Snap One right now, all of those products that we sell are for the same jobs. So it isn't as challenging or as intimidating as it may sound to say you have all of these products, but all of these products are used 
for the same customer and for the same category. So we have every product that you need to complete one installation. So it actually makes a lot of sense. All the products that we sell and carry, they all come together in a really unique way. And so that makes it easier because when, when we're talking to customers, it's not necessarily like we're only talking about one category or one product or one thing. We're talking about an entire job and the cohesiveness of that fits in really well because we have products through our own product lineups, um, our recent acquisitions, and also through the third-party products that we sell That so that I can go to any customer and know that whatever kind of project they're working on, I have everything that fits in that that need. How, how integral is your role uh, when I know Snap1, as it was Snap AV, one of the first things that just really got it on the map as a company was the, the online portal aspect to it for dealers. And that was before your time at the company, but it, it's still rep, re- respected as one of the best places for dealers to go in and order products. So um, is a lot of what you do education when new things come out, or is there definitely an ordering process that can be handheld sort of, you know, as opposed to just going on the website? What, what part of the, that process do you do? Yeah. There can be, I mean, there can be ways to order outside of the website. We strongly recommend it. It's the best way to do it. Um, And it makes everybody's life easier because people can go on and shop at any time of the day. But one of the things, one of the biggest tenets of of SnapOne is that we are um, here to support the customer in whatever way we can and make their lives easier. So having the breadth of products that we do and the way that dealers can can access them uh, makes it easier for everyone. So you know, in addition to having our online portal, which makes their lives better, we also have local stores now and so many local stores. I think we're up to 27. So dealers can shop there at any time as well. They can also order products and pick them up. We'll call 24 hours a day. Um, we'll ship to job sites. So everything that we do is really strategic in making our customers' lives better and easier. So then what is it that um, you specifically tend to have um in your wheelhouse as far as what you your value that you provide it seems like in the old days when i would talk to an independent rep it's certain lines that they're really trying to get a dealer who they've known for years like you 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 really should start specifying this this uh outdoor tv you don't carry an outdoor tv you know something very specific like that maybe then you're dealing with something like snap one you've got a pretty dedicated dealer base for a company that's got so many solutions. Um, are you just there to kind of help in case of uh, there's an issue on product not being available and you can be their kind of point person in their territory to help them out? Are you problem solver basically for them if, if needed? Or are you looking to grow new business for, for Snap for those who aren't working with, with them yet? Um, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're obviously always looking to grow our business. That's my primary function. So it is looking for categories that maybe dealers don't spend with us or, you know, spend elsewhere where we can, you know, get their buy-in um, in different categories that maybe, maybe they purchase two or three categories for us and they could purchase 10. So we're always looking for those opportunities. Um, you know, a big part of it, specifying products, doing design work with my dealers, helping them on job sites, um, getting, I do a lot of uh, presentations, CEU classes for architects and designers with them to kind of do that. We do a lot of in-house training. So train guys and their teams on how to you know, use Oversee or do networking better, or how to use Wattbox and install it correctly and use all the form the features. Because sometimes even when dealers do have buy-in in certain categories with us, it's either very narrow 
or are very limited, or they don't use all the features that are available to them. So there's a lot, even if they do buy some things, there's a lot of training involved with that as well. So I do all of those things. Oh, that's great. That, that, that's a very valuable role. And uh, what other brands have you worked with in the past, either in uh, maybe at Sapphire or um, other positions that you've held? Wow. So many. Um, I can't even, I, I would love to be able to remember all the line cards of all the places that have worked, but at Sapphire, I mean, primarily Crestron, um, mm-hmm. digital projection, uh, a lot of lines there. Uh, I remember, I remember my first line card because it was the first one. So I can, uh, so the first job I ever had at outside sales was, uh, I was worked for a company called Dorrance Audio Marketing in Kentucky. And we were at BMW, Rotel, uh, Runco, Class A, uh, Viticron, United Leather, D-Box, Stewart, and I think that's it. Uh, but I could always remember that one because it was the first one and it was like I knew all the brands. Yeah, those are some good ones. Some some legacy and some some current just awesome brands. But um, and and what is the pathway for someone to get into the, the career that you're that you've been in for a while now? Um, what, what were you uh, doing that brought you to tech, I guess? Uh, I was a bartender. Okay. I was in college. Yeah, I was in college, and I was tending bar, and uh, and I lived in Kentucky. I was going to college there, and in Kentucky bars are open till four o'clock in the morning, wow. and I had classes at eight a.m. and it was it was really hard hmm. for a while. And uh, so thinking about, it, I was like, I got to get like another job. I got to do something like parts. I got to do anything. So uh, as was the big website in the day, I got on Monster.com to find myself a job, and I did, and I found myself a job as a receptionist at an AV shop in Kentucky. And it was a Crestron and B&W and, you know, a cool little place called Digital Lifestyles. Uh, And I was the receptionist there. And I did like the bookkeeping and all of that stuff while I was in school. And while I was doing that, I got to know our rep, uh, Bob Dorrance, for uh, for really well. We were really close to his house. So he came in all the time and we got to be friends. And he was like, you can do this if you want to. (laughs) And I fell in love with the industry. He liked me. He took me on my first sales calls. He taught me everything I'll ever know about sales. He took me on the road for the first time, took me to my first Cedia and did all that stuff and really helped me learn. And from there, it just took off. I fell in love with the industry and I've never wanted to do anything else and I never have. What a great mentor. I mean, what, what a what a great idea to, to say this is, I mean, not to just say, oh, this is just a receptionist and I'm not going to consider um, hiring somebody like that, but to, to really hear, hear who you are and know that you're sharp and picking up on the stuff that, that he's working with and saying, Hey, this is a great career path because we don't see very many women in this industry, spe- specifically, um, on the rep side, I guess. And you and I talked before the, the recording, you confirm that you're typically one of the few, correct? Typically, uh, I'm usually, if not the only one, one of very, very few uh, women that's doing sales. It was a little bit different uh, at Sapphire and at Crestron because they do have a lot of women in sales roles, but most other places, it's pretty few and far between. Yeah, Marla is a, a real pioneer, I guess, in that regard. And is it more common on the commercial side? I think it is. I think commercially it is. It's definitely more common. I think I think residentially, I'm still one of the very, very few. I think there's one or two other ones out there uh, who are amazing. Uh, commercially, it's it's a lot more common. And, and what what did it mean to to work during that time with someone like Marla, who who's a strong um, presence in the industry? Um, she's uh, obviously got the 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 connection uh, that some people don't know about to to the recently retired Randy Klein at uh, Crestron, but um, there she as her own company 
I had nothing but respect and heard nothing but kind things about how great she was to work with. So that must have been a, a really gr- great time to to learn about being a leader as a woman in the industry. Uh, I I couldn't tell you how much I've learned from her. Uh, I think I think I've been really lucky in my life and in my career that I've gotten to work for some pretty amazing mentors. And Marla's right there at the top. She not only is a you know pioneering woman in our industry, but she's an amazing just salesperson in her in her own right, woman or not. Uh, but she's also, I mean, like you said, extremely kind, but she's also patient and she's a teacher. And she was, I mean, wonderful to me the whole time I was there. I couldn't have asked for anything more. And so it's, it's I think it's inspiring to be around people like that and people that are uh, so powerful and, and at the pinnacle of their careers that can still take the time to work with people and be a mentor. And I think that's really impressive. And I hope, I hope to do that one day. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm curious too. Um, I work around tech and in tech, write about tech. Um, I love having it in my home when it works, and when it doesn't, I get really frustrated and wish that I didn't have it. And sometimes I'm not qualified to fix it, and I wish I could be um, because I'm a handy person. But there's only so far I can take it. You've got all these trainings and things be in, uh, under your belt, which is great for the products that you represent. Um, are you a fan of home technology in your own residence? Absolutely. I have I have it in my house. So to be fair, I didn't put it all in. I did have one of my dealers come out and do it because uh, I don't like to run the wires or and I don't touch electric. So when I had the lighting control put in, I did have somebody and I did have somebody come out and put the shades in because, yeah, no. Uh, but I do love it and I live with it and I would have it no other way. I like all the new toys. I get everything when it first comes out. Um a big fan of it. I try to stay out of the beta testing though, because I like for my stuff to work all the time. Uh, so yeah. I try to stay away from that. But uh, but yeah, I'm the first person on the train when we get new products. Well, so what do you like the most right now? I mean, it, it's a cut, tough question to answer at times. <laughs> I don't like when people ask me. I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but um, but what what do you what no. do you like about your home and and specifically the, some of the technology that you have? Uh, so I just got the shades not too long ago. So I'm loving that right mm-hmm. now. I think it's one of the coolest things. I have a townhouse. Okay. So uh, so I have three floors. So my absolute favorite thing is when I go to bed at night, I'm on the third floor and I can just tell Alexa, I don't want her to wake up, Trigger. <laughs> uh, to turn all the lights off. And she does. Nice. Do it. Uh, and, uh, and then like lower all the shades and all of those things. So I don't have to like look anywhere in my house or I don't have to get out my iPad or my phone and like do anything. I just tell her and it all shuts down. So I think that might be the coolest thing. Uh, and the wake up thing in the morning, all the shades go up, all the lights come on and, you know, so that's, that's my new favorite thing. Uh, a lot of the environmental stuff I think is the most fun. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the unsung best thing that we could ever promote in this industry, frankly. And I, I don't happen to, just because of the way my windows are designed and things, I don't have uh, shades in every window. Um, I have an example of a shade so I can live with it and ha- know what it's like. And uh, I can imagine that it would be awesome to be able to <laughs> shut them everywhere and not walk around all, every night um, doing that. But the, I do have... Well, I would just never do it. And I think most people wouldn't. And people, especially people, the kind of projects that we work on that have these huge homes, who does right. that? Who, who gets up every day and opens all the blinds? Like no one would do right. that. I I never did it before I got the shades in. And I was like, people probably think like I'm a hermit or like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually live here. The shades are never open. So now... 
it's just an easier way to live. So I think it's one of the best experiences we can give to our customers. Same thing with lighting control. Yeah. It's just such a better lifestyle experience. And so so our customers can really gravitate to that. Yeah, I, I happen to have control for um, lighting control and I love it. And uh, Thank you for your support. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had a really great local dealer uh, that I worked with, uh, Millennium Sounds, and um, still enjoy working with them when I need something added or tweaked. But um, I, I do think that... Uh, that it's great that you that you get to live with it. That's that's a key to to really being um, a true representative of the of the products and technologies for sure. Well, you have, to, I mean, you have to. Yeah, you have to have the experience because it's not looking at a looking at a box isn't the same thing as experiencing it and living with it. So right. I think it's important. So we were talking a little bit about being uh, a woman in tech, and, and uh, I, I was wondering um, if you could sort of share uh, that you have uh, an organization that you've been a part of or helped put together there um, at uh, Snap that is kind of a collaborative group. Um, can you talk about yeah, that? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So last year, uh, we founded a women in technology group at Snap One. Uh, things are, we're always changing and growing at our company. And, and especially now that everybody is working remotely, uh, there's not a lot of opportunity to connect with people, especially outside of your department. Uh, and we're such a, such a large company now that that makes, you know, feeling like you're a part of it pretty challenging. Uh, so we started a women in tech group. Uh, it's up to 85 members now, which I'm pretty proud about. I think that's pretty yeah. amazing. And we do all sorts of uh, different uh, group efforts. So we have a book club. We read a new book every month or two. Uh, we just finished a great one, the the Mortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. read that, but it's really cool uh, about cellular biology and and the technology around medical research. It's really interesting. Sorry, sorry. we just had our meeting yesterday, so I'm still on That's that great. one. Uh, but we do that. We also do a quarterly uh, panel where we invite women leaders around our industry to come in and talk to the group. Uh, I think for me, I've been really lucky. I've been exposed to this industry for a long time, but that's not always the case with uh, women in our industry. Uh, women in our company in different departments have never gone to CEDIA or met anyone outside of our company that works in our industry. So we wanted to kind of expose them to the 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 huge hole that they're a, a big part of. So we had, you know, Carol Campbell and Heather Sturowitz and Amanda Wildman and Mary Ellen Oswald and Katie McGregor Bennett um, and Jamie Brustmeister come in and talk. Uh, we do these great women panels around different topics and talk about what their lives are like and what their jobs are like. And Amanda's wonderful because she talks about being an installer. And I think it opened a lot of eyes about what opportunities are out there and what other women are doing and contributing. And I think it's extremely inspiring. Yeah, uh, Jamie has written for us. Obviously, um, she was a guest on the podcast, and and uh, Amanda, uh, we've we've profiled recently, and, and was a guest on the podcast too. And she's just uh, a, a great representative from the integration side. It's su such a rarity. Um, we we have we have a few um, strong uh, folks out there that we know about. There are more than I realized as I get to go out in the world. And, and I was just at the ProSource Summit and I met a lot of times it's a husband and wife 50-50 partnership, which I'm always just really careful of like meeting someone on the female <laughs> side of that and saying, so you're the, you're the owner, right? Because I want to just go right in as strong as I can go and not just assume because I'm sure they've heard so much of that, like, oh, you're the wife of the owner. <laughs> and and right. she told me this is, this is definitely something she's learned to live with. And I guess we are 50, 50 partners. And, uh, so that, that, that was really cool just to add one more, um, uh, to the list there. But, uh, 
Um, I know it's it's a rarity. That's great that you're doing that, and it's always good to have that camaraderie. Yeah, and then the um, and the only other thing, the one other thing that we started is a mentorship program too. So uh, so we paired all of the women up uh, with you know some of the newer people in our industry that have expressed an interest in having mentors. So I got a mentee, which is pretty fun. Nice. Uh, yeah, so it's it's just a nice way for everybody to connect and and get a little more exposed to our industry and what else is going up going on out there. And I think it's, I think it's important. I think if I was, if I had those opportunities when I was starting out in my career, it would have probably made all the difference in the world to me. Well, that's great to hear. And, um, but, uh, speaking of a book club, we will, uh, continue our conversation with Kat Wheeler and talk about that book after a short break. Founded in 2005 by a team of highly skilled audio veterans, Wet Sounds is an award-winning Texas-based marine audio company bringing a level of performance, style, and durability unparalleled in the audio industry. Wet Sounds is proud to introduce you to the Venue Series 110-volt, 1200-watt four-channel amplifier system. The VS1200 amplifier was specifically designed to power Venue Series products while utilizing a 110-volt power source. Included is the VSLSENC, a purpose-built landscape enclosure designed to house the Wet Sounds VS1200 amp with the plug-and-play media center in harsh outdoor environments. Learn more, visit wetsounds.com. Welcome back. I'm talking with Kat Wheeler, regional sales manager for Snap One and the author of a book that is called There Is No Cloud. It's a self-published endeavor that uh, I got to read and enjoyed. And it's um, it's a tech mystery novel. And um, Kat, to kind of kick it off, I want to read the back uh, description. I'm going to put my glasses on like I'm a cool TV <laughs> reporter here. And uh, it says, you never know what's listening. As a sales rep for Smart Tech, the world's largest home automation company, Cameron Caldwell's job is to keep customers happy and buying. That means the current bane of her existence is a rival company's home AI device, the Home Tech Hub. Her customers want to use the HTH's voice commands to control the electronics she's selling them. And if she wants to keep them keep selling to them, she needs to make sure that happens. Why can't they just ask it the weather and be happy with that? I think I know what we're talking about there, but I'm not going to say it because, you know, it'll respond back. Um while attempting to get tech support for one of her clients, Cameron finds something strange in a home tech hub and it is immediately and is immediately curious. Is there something about the product no one's supposed to know? But when when people start dying, she knows something far more complex is going on, and she's determined to find out what the technology the whole world has let into their homes actually does. As Cameron digs deeper into something she never thought would be possible, she starts to wonder what she's gotten herself into and whether she'll be able to get out. Wow. Yes. Enticing. So it's a little dramatic. It is dramatic, but that's how you get people's attention. And I was, I said to you in an email, I, I found a lot of familiar um, kind of people, personalities that I've come across in the industry, uh, obviously references to technology. And as, as someone in the industry, I'm sure that so many people that would read this um, who are in the industry would, it's like a game. Like who, who's she talking about? <laughs> All right. Is, is this about her? <laughs> like that type of thing. So I, I, I just admire that you wrote a book and I, I think that it, it's um, something when it's not your career per se, you're not an author full time, 
to be able to pull that off is just amazing. I've never attempted it and I write for a living. Um, what, what inspired you to write a book? Um, I'm a huge reader and I have been my whole life. I, I love books. I love all of them. I read anything I can get my hands on in any genre. I always have. Uh, my dad was always really cool. We had books in our house growing up and I read from a very young age. So it's always been a part of my life. Um, I don't think that I decided I wanted to write a book until, I mean, I probably always did, but I didn't decide to do it until uh, much later. And uh, I was looking for a hobby that I could take on the road with me because, you know, as outside reps, all we do is travel. Uh, so I, I, was, I was getting bored. You can only sit in so many hotel rooms and go to so many hotel bars and watch so much TV and you just, you get bored. So I tried to learn how to knit first. It didn't go well. <laughs> uh, and then I decided I was going to write a book. And uh, so I was talking to one of my dealers about it out on a call. And he's like, well, what are you going to write a book about? You got to write about what you know. And I was like, this is all that I know. Uh -huh. uh, so I'll write about this. And I thought about it for, for a while. Uh, you know, I kind of molded around. And uh, as somebody who's familiar with a lot of books, there's a ton of book series out there uh, about, you know, little mystery sleuth, little amateur sleuth women who, you know, one works at the bakery and one works at the flower shop. And there's the girl who walks dogs and, you know, solves mysteries and whatever. And I thought, I thought, why can't a girl who works in consumer electronics, you know, solve mysteries? And wouldn't it be cooler if all of those mysteries were caused by technology and the solutions were also using technology and what we do. Uh, so I thought it'd be really fun. And I, and I think it turned out that way. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of how it happened. Well, and I, I know um, that that's a really great story and a really great motivation as well. Um, I, I can only imagine that that boredom that's that sets in when you do this as much as you do it, the travel part of it and to put something, you know, productive to, to, to work there in terms of writing. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's a really good, um, good mystery. And I think that the representative, uh, the, the representation of tech is really cool. Uh, I love that in one of your author notes or the credits at the end, you, you made sure to tell your dealer friends to, to calm down that, you know, that some of this can't really happen. <laughs> it's a, it's, yes. it's, it's, it's well, a fictional account. <laughs> so it turns so it's a lot, it, the finished product obviously goes through a lot of iterations. It was, it was a completely different thing for a while. And it, when you, when you're working with a publisher and whatever, it goes back and forth a lot between you and them, right? So you send it in and, and people read it and they tell you what they think and what makes sense or what doesn't and what they like, what they don't like, what characters they like, who they don't, all that stuff. So uh, I kept getting it back and it kept being like, no one wants to read stereo instructions. <laughs> You know, because there were so many parts of it. Uh, there's a part in particular where she breaks into a home and she's like, she's trying to get technology out of it. And there was like five pages of like, well, the HDMI didn't connect. And, you know, like, is it a needed problem? I don't know. I'm going to like, you know, do this, that and the other thing. So people were like, no one wants to read that. You have to really like cull this down. And, and so I did. And so some parts like skip over a lot of that, how it would work yeah. or just kind of gloss through what's happening to make it make sense. Because... I guess not that entertaining to read stereo instructions. Yeah, I, I, I guess I could see that. And I, I'm curious about this this process. So I said it's self-published and um it is, yeah, yeah. and there's this um but there's this company that you work with that's sort of a they they, they do act as a gatekeeper, so to speak, for that um process. Is that what you're yeah, so so when I finished it, uh, or when I kind of like had a rough draft and I was, fin was finished with it, I was kind of like, well, what do you do now? Right. You know, do you, 
am I going to actually publish this or did I just write a book just to write a book? And then I was kind of, I thought, well, you know, you did it. You might as well just go for it, put it out there, see what happens. Well, how do you do that? Right. And is it actually good enough to do that? So, so I looked on the internet where all answers lie (laughs) and uh, I found the first thing I did was I found a guy who critiques manuscripts and, and tells you kind of if they're publishable and gives you like a whole report on them. And he said it was good enough. So I was like, okay, I believe that guy. He was a professor. It made sense. Uh, and, and so from there, I kind of decided, okay, I'm going to self-publish. But I don't, I don't really know how to do that. And yes, it's easy. You just upload a document to Amazon. But if I do this, I want to do it in the most professional way possible, right? Like I don't want to just put something out there that's riddled with mistakes and a cover that I made that's, I'm not an artist. Like it would not have been good. Uh, so I wanted to kind of, you know, do it the best way that I could. So I looked in uh, the back of a lot of books that I like that were self-published, uh, found a company that does it. And and the great thing about them is they they take you through a whole process. So they give you a schedule. It's like six months long. And at the beginning, you send them the roughest draft and then it comes back and then there's content edits and you know creative edits. And it goes back and forth like a ton of times. And while you're doing that, you're working with a graphic designer on the cover. You're writing the blurbs in the back and the front and those go out and get critiqued and come back and helped. Uh, so I appreciated that there was a structure to yeah. it because it made it easier for me to keep on track. Right. I don't know that I would have, I probably would have put it away and gotten distracted and, you know, I have a full-time job, work is busy. So I would have done that instead of kind of pushing through it, I think. So it made it a lot easier and it it definitely for a first time person doing it, it made it possible for me. I had no idea that world existed. That's really interesting. And um, it, it's a great motivator when you're cl- so close to the finish line not to give up uh, because- you're kind of working and to do it. Time. And I, like I said, to do it well, yeah. because, you know, you can put anything out there in the world, but I, I wanted it to be done and be done professionally. And there are the same companies actually helping me with the sequel. So we're Ooh, you're working on another right one. Now. Yeah, it's, it's almost done. It should be out October, November. Nice. Okay. And, and, <laughs> and these are available, uh, if someone wanted, I mean, you gave me a, a review copy, but, uh, available for purchase and download. Available for purchase and download, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the places you buy books. There is an ebook uh, Kindle version. It's also on Kindle Unlimited, which is their free service. So you can read it for free if you're a Kindle Unlimited subscriber or buy the ebook or you can buy the paperback. Oh, that's that's really cool. And I, I did enjoy reading the credits because that's where you you could re- review, re- reveal actual people that I knew. And uh, and I did I did want to just note one was uh, Fred Bargatze at um, Crash John, Chief Technology Officer, who sadly passed away um, and was recently uh, honored with a, a memorial scholarship with the, the, his alma mater. That was really great to hear. But uh, it, I, I was not surprised at all that he was probably a good consultant on some of the tech on this uh, in this book. Or- so I actually, I had never talked to him about it. He didn't, I don't think he even knew oh. about it. So it's, un, it's yeah, it was pretty un, untimely in that yeah. way. I think he would have thought it was really cool. Um, I thanked him because... Um, because he was always really kind. And I, and I know that probably sounds silly, no. but it, when you're at a company as, as big as Crestron and there's a lot of people and you're really new, it's extremely intimidating because yeah. uh, everybody there is so smart and so good at their jobs and you're always really intimidated. And, and, and Fred being in the position that he was, you know, is a big deal. Yeah. Right. Uh, but he was always so nice and so kind. And he always would stop and talk to you and ask your opinion and really listen and like be a really active listener and like care about what you thought. And that's pretty rare when you're pretty low on the totem pole <laughs> at some places. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it just meant a lot to me. So, and I, everybody at that at, at there did. So I thought, 
kind of got to thank somebody for that when they go out of their way to make people and not just me, but everybody that worked with him, you know, feel special and important. I think that's, I think that's one of the nicest things you can say about. Yeah. I, I, he's another one that I just have heard nothing but kind comments about his generosity and his kindness himself. And, and we, we crossed paths a a few times in meetings, but I didn't really know him uh, very well personally. Uh, I just knew his reputation and, and I thought, at a company that that is pretty aggressive, being crushed on, and uh, the leadership is is pretty domineering, <laughs> has been in the past, um, and that's all I'm going to say. Um, to have someone who it's such an important role as as Fred be uh, a, a gentle person and just be kind and and not like over the top with type A personality or whatever. Um, was just really refreshing behind the scenes there. Um, and so, uh, I, I just, that jumped out at me and, uh, I, I was curious if, so then you, uh, were confident in your descriptions of the technology as you wrote, just because of your experience and, uh, knowledge of the industry, or did you, did you do, did you bounce ideas off of people, uh, as you wrote on, on some of the tech stuff? Um, no, I mean, I all the tech stuff is for me. The one thing in that book uh, that I did bounce off of a dealer, we were at a point uh, where I needed to have her, and again, the scene where she breaks into somebody's house, and and I did it in one way, and I was talking to one of my dealers, and I did it in this really like backwards contrived, like it took like ten pages, <laughs> like like waste of time for her to do it. He's like, you know, you don't have to do all that. He's like, go on YouTube and look. There's a guy that teaches you how to open. Um, you know, like door, uh, like automated door locks. He's like, you can do it with a laser. Uh, and I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so that suggestion came from him, but yeah, all the technology and all the stuff in the book is me. And the same thing in the second book, I do have one of the guys, the guy that the character bill is based on. He's actually reading through the second book right now to make sure that it's okay. Cause the, the, in the mystery in the second book is a little more tech heavy and a little more involved. So I wanted to get a second opinion on that right. one, but uh, yeah. what about the, the but it's what me. about the cop side of things? Did you, did you use a uh, crime procedural shows as your reference point for? Yes, totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's completely from watching, you know, like law and order and stuff like that. TV. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like law <laughs> sure. Yeah, I know. I, I think we all, we all feel like we, we know how that whole thing works. And even if it's, there was some stuff that I had to like look up just to make sure that like I wasn't uh that I wasn't just like remembering incorrectly like people in positions and like what levels you would be and so so there was a lot of that I like looked up just to double check but yeah no I mean I can't 100% guarantee the accuracy but I'm pretty sure it's all right (laughs) (laughs) or it was uh yeah it's it was yeah it was a soul it hate saying it's a solo project because so many people have been helpful uh, after the fact and been really supportive. That's the one great thing about our industry. And so many people have been, you know, we're an inspiration. I mean, bless our hearts. The two guys that are the inspiration for uh, Phil and Bill have been such good supports Uh and had such good humor about the whole thing because it's not hard to figure out who they are and everybody's kind of been giving them a hard time. Right. Right. Sorry. (laughs) Well, well, that's great. Um, We'll uh, hopefully get you some, some more readers through the, the podcast. And, uh, uh, are you, uh, are you headed to, uh, Cedia at, uh, in September? Are you able to go? Yes, I'm excited. I'm excited. It's uh, close enough to me. I get to drive, which is great. So, uh, so I will be there. And, and for me too, cause my territory is so close, a ton of my dealers are coming. And I think this year is super special for us because they're bringing more of their people. Cause again, you don't have to fly, they can drive, uh, than in years past. So, 
Uh, fingers crossed things don't get weird between now and then. Yeah. Um, but I'm hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> it seemed like we were going along so well there. And, um, I just attended, like I said, um, the, the buying group meeting, uh, pro source and it, it was smaller than a pro source meeting would be. And there were some rooms with a lot of people with no masks on and, and I, and like a month ago I would have been fine with that, but it was like kind of getting that little unsure are we all vaxxed here? Cause this whole new strain <laughs> is really making me nervous. So, um, so I was at, um, ISC West oh, in Las yes. Vegas a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And that was interesting. Um, the day that we were leaving, uh, cause again, it was a mask free zone at the hotel, but the whole way there, like on the plane and in the Ubers, you're all masked sure. up and then you get to the hotel and it's like free zone. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know how that's decided, but, uh, uh, but we were there and then on the day we were leaving the governor, the mayor or whatever was in, introducing it, reintroducing the mask mandate for Vegas. So on the day we were leaving. So. I, I do believe there was one company that might've had a little bit of an issue um, that was at that event. I won't name names, but uh, that was the rumor when we got to ProSource and I, uh, hopefully my wife's not listening to this because she's like, you're wearing a mask when you get there. I'm like, sure thing. I will do. And then as soon as you walk in the door and you're the only one, you're like, not wearing a mask is honestly, it doesn't matter at this point because mask protects them from you, not you from them. Let's just all keep our fingers crossed that we're all grown ups here and we got vaccinated and we're not contaminated. Well, <laughs> you know, I will say they were pretty diligent about it. Uh, you, you could go mask free if you were vaccinated and they made you kind of, you know, agree to a yeah. waiver when you registered that you would be honest and, you know, kind of forthright. And then they did temperature check everybody going in. So every morning we walked oh. through and you know, got our temperature done and got our little approved sticker and went inside. And there was a lot of, you know, stringent cleaning going yeah. on between the days and things like that. So our hotel was completely great. Like the it. staff was all masked up and they were cleaning and, um, that's where it was held in a hotel. And, um, it was really just our event that was a little wheels off, but, uh, they, we, we all signed a thing too. And there was a thing about temperature checks that never actually occurred, but, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. Um, but I am going to be there at CDA looking forward to, um, finding you on the show floor and meeting you in person so we can, uh, say hello. Yes. I'm excited. I'm excited to see people again. It's been for an outside sales rep who's used to spending, you know, three weeks of the month on the road. This, this last year and a half has been a little bit different, a little bit of a lifestyle change. Uh, so I think it's going to be, it's going to be nice to be able to be in front of my customers again and, you know, kind of have, have that interaction in that way that we've been missing for some time. Yes. Uh, in your career, uh, you're, 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 <laughs> Job description is is about people. I, I try to hide behind a computer most of the time personally, um, but it, it's healthy to be around humans in person for sure. We can't do it all virtually, and uh, I agree with you. It'll be it'll be good for all of us who can make it. So uh, great great talking to you, Kat. Thanks so much um, for joining me today. It's it's been awesome learning about your career and more about the book. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Kat Wheeler is a regional sales manager for Snap One and author of the book, There Is No Cloud. You can track her down on LinkedIn under Catherine Wheeler and find the book at all the places that she described. So uh, do that, support that book. That's a, It's a lot of fun to read for sure. That wraps up today's show. If you're new to Residential Tech Talks, please subscribe to the weekly podcast and consider rating and reviewing us wherever you listen or watch us. 
Also, check out all the latest residential tech news at the magazine's website, restechtoday.com, where you can also subscribe to the bi-monthly print or digital magazine and to our Tuesday and Friday email newsletters. Until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you have a great story to tell.